turn then to the book of Judges, uh, which we read together, and chapter number 16. Judges and chapter 16. And uh, this morning we think together of Samson as a type of Jesus and his sacrificial death. Deaths of almost 300 people in the terrible train crash in India last week uh, has gripped the news and made the headlines ever since. The accident seems to be purely accidental and unintentional. No terrorism seems to be involved. No war is taking place. The deaths of many people is accidental. Uh, An inquiry has been established and has begun to look into the cause of this, but the initial findings are that this was accidental. It was not sacrificial. Today we're thinking of the death of Samson, the death of Jesus, not as accidental, but as sacrificial. We come to the third of our sermons and studies in the book of Judges on Samson. We're considering Samson as a type of Christ, as he is across most of the Reformed literature that we are to see beyond moral stories in the Old Testament to a person here, flawed though he is, who foreshadows aspects of the Lord Jesus. We've already thought of the miraculous birth of Samson, looking forward to and pointing forward to Jesus' miraculous birth. We have thought of Samson being empowered by the Holy Spirit in his life and ministry at different times, looking forward to Jesus filled with the Spirit performing his miracles. Today we think of this third way in which Samson points forward to the Lord Jesus as we come to our communion today. We're thinking of Samson's sacrificial death, looking forward to Jesus, the supreme sacrifice. So before Samson, we see Jesus in picture form in the life of Moses in many ways. And after Samson, we see Jesus in picture form in the life of David and others subsequent to him. But here in his life, the main judge, the chief judge, the the one judge to whom most attention is given in the Bible, we see Jesus in different aspects of his life. Think first of the cause of his sacrificial death, the cause of his sacrificial death. It was the rejection by his enemies, it was the mockery of the Philistines which brought about his sacrificial death. There were those around him despising him. He did not die in a bed of ease and peace and serenity and privacy. He died in this context of animosity, aggression, and opposition. And in this way, he foreshadows the death of our Lord Jesus, surrounded by mocking Pharisees and Sadducees and soldiers. You see in verse 25 how Samson is taken out of prison. Now he's in the town of Gaza here, 
And this in itself was a statement by the Philistines. You remember from the stories of Samson that Samson had gone down to Gaza and when he needed to get out of that town, he just lifted the gates of the town and carried them to the top of a hill. He had shown his strength there. And now, to make a point, the Philistines imprisoned Samson in that very same town of Gaza. But we have to smile. We have to catch the irony. As verse 25 says, they take Samson out of prison. What are they doing? What madness is this? Here is this man whom the Spirit of God comes on at times and grants him great strength. What are these Philistines doing taking him out of prison? But they're bringing him out to mock him. They believe that taking away his eyesight has removed his ability to perform such wonders and that this break with the power that he had has been affected by the cutting of his hair. And they mock him in verse 25. They make him stand between the pillars. They bring him into this position of of public gaze, this public arena where thousands can see him. And they set him in this prominent place. Such is their depravity and cruelty that here is this figure imprisoned, blinded, shackled, but, but they heap on more humiliation onto him by bringing him out between the pillars to mock him. Now in this house, this house of Dagon, this temple of Dagon, it probably also acted as the local courthouse. And it was likely that judges issued their sentence in this prominent place between the pillars. And so you see their mockery. Here is Samson. He's meant to be a judge in his nation. Well, let us hear him judging then. And they set this blinded, shackled man between the pillars. What cruelty. What mockery. And cruelty is a trait of fallen humanity, isn't it? And many online platforms have given the opportunity for humans to vent that cruelty. Unwanted, unauthorized pictures appear on online sites to torment others. We can write any words on online sites without adding our name. And ridicule and mockery and oppression has risen vastly through that online means. This detail... And Samson's life is reflected in Jesus. The gospel writers note that Jesus also, like Joseph and Samson, was taken out of prison. Placed there as another step in their humiliation. And they were mocked. Samson as a judge. Jesus as a king. The crown of thorns was placed on his head. A reed in his right hand, the purple robe on his back. They bowed the knee in mockery before Jesus, the cause of his sacrificial death. The hatred, the ridicule, the mockery of fallen humanity. 
Secondly, the cry of his sacrificial death in verse number 28. Here is a prayer of Samson just at the moment of his death. O Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines. Now, some writers and commentators think that this is a superficial prayer. Here again is Samson thinking only of himself. He mentions himself in this prayer five times. They link it to the prayer of the Philistines or the assertion of the Philistines in verse number 24, where they mention themselves five times. Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. So they mention themselves five times in verse 24. Samson mentions himself five times in verse 28. And so they conclude he's no better than the Philistines. But Matthew Henry has a a kinder and I think more accurate understanding of this prayer. He reckons that Samson, for the short time he was in prison, was humbled before God recognized the error of his ways. And now here, as he stands between these pillars in the presence of the elite Philistines, he sees at last an opportunity to fulfill his calling to begin to save Israel from the Philistines. He uses a a reverent title of God in verse 28, O Sovereign Lord, he's recognizing the supremacy of God here. He uses a a rich term in verse 28 in his prayer, remember me. A phrase used throughout the, the Old Testament of God's gracious mercy toward the undeserving. And Samson latches onto it now. He sees his unworthiness. He recognizes his place and his relation before God. And so at last, but not too late, He recognizes and grasps his calling. Perhaps the boasting of the Philistines in verse 28, our God has given our enemy into our hand, has really rankled him. The dishonor being brought to God by his actions, by his life. He longs that his God will be glorified and honored. And so he prays and seeks God's help and mercy. The cry of his sacrificial death. And all of us long to be with loved ones at the last, don't we? We want to be at their bedside and we treasure their last words. All of their life they've been molded and shaped by the good and bad experiences. And if they're a Christian, the grace of God has shaped them well with all of that wisdom, with all of that experience and the imminence of death. Their last words are rich and valuable and precious. And here are Samson's last words. We treasure the last words of Jesus on the cross. I thirst. Father, forgive them. Today you will be with me in paradise. Why have you forsaken me? Into your hands I commit my spirit. The cry of his sacrificial death. Thirdly, the cruciform of his sacrificial death. 
The Philistines had given Samson a young attendant to steer him from the prison, through the crowds, up into this place of prominence in the house of Dagon, to, to between the pillars. A temple has been found and excavated close to Gaza, and there at the center of that temple were two cedar pillars about three meters apart. And so this young attendant guides Samson to this place where the leaders of the Philistines want him to be. And as Samson comes there, he begins by the workings of the Spirit, but by grace in his heart to think of this opportunity of serving God. And you see how the writer slows down the narrative in verse number 29. He wants us to see this climax, to see this cruciform figure of Samson in this 29th verse, his right hand on the one pillar and his left hand on the other. There he is standing in the cruciform shape. And he's standing there not just to fulfill his God-ordained purpose, but to foreshadow for us the love and death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Rio de Janeiro, the famous monument, looks over the city. A monument of Christ, not, not something we approve of. 96 feet tall, but strikingly, 92 feet wide. Originally, the designers had agreed that the monument would have a globe in one hand and a cross in the other hand. But as the project developed, it came to be that the arms would just be extended 92 feet wide. Here is Jesus typified in the cruciform of Samson. His right hand out on one pillar his left hand on the other. And Psalm 22 mentions this way in which Jesus would die. In verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. Matthew Henry writes, Christ was plainly typified when his arms were stretched out upon the cross as Samson's to the two pillars. Jesus could have died by stoning. They tried to stone him. Jesus could have died by drowning. He was in numerous storms on the sea. Jesus could have died by being pushed over the edge of a cliff. They tried to do that at Nazareth. But Jesus dies with his arms stretched out wide. And we come to that Jesus in communion today. Fourthly, the conquest of his sacrificial death. The occasion for the celebration of the Philistines was either a traditional festival or it was a special festival to celebrate the capture of Samson. And here they are, thousands of them. In verse 25, they say, Our enemy, the ravager of our country, who killed many of us, is now captured by us. Verse 22 says the lords of the Philistines were there, the elite, the commanders, the governors of that country, of that people, 
of that nation. Not only of the five areas or states that the Philistines had, but also the lower rulers are included in that phrase as well. And up on the balcony, there are 3,000 looking down from the, the roof space, uh, down into the, the main arena where Samson's standing between the pillars. As he sees this, as he senses this, as he realizes where he is, who is there, the opportunity that's been handed to him, he prays to God, gets the young lad to put his hands on the pillars. And by the power of God, he brings the house down, the thousands above falling on to the thousands below, few if any surviving that experience, and he, he kills more in his death than he does in his life. His death is not suicide. His, his main intention is not to kill himself. His main intention is to conquer his enemies. Him dying is part of that victory. We regularly hear of people losing their life, saving others. Firemen and women, rescue workers. Can you imagine the rescue workers in India as they sought to, to uncover people who were covered over in the, in the train crash, risking their lives, giving their lives in some cases to save others? Here is Samson foreshadowing Jesus, giving his body for us, pouring out his blood for us, giving his life that we might live, wrestling with Satan and with sin and with death and seemingly overcome by them. But in that seeming defeat, he conquers, he dies and rises again. The conquest of his sacrificial death. And lastly, the conclusion of his sacrificial death. His clan come, verse 31, collect his body and bury it in Zorah and Esteol. Can you imagine the chaos of that scene at the house of Dagon? The God whom the, the Philistines were praising couldn't defend himself. What humiliation. The merriment turned to mourning. What chaos, what sorrow. And in the, in the presence of that darkness and confusion, the relatives of Samson come, retrieve his body, and give it a noble burial. And in doing that, Samson is not only a type of Jesus in his life, not only a type of Jesus in his death, but a type of Jesus in his burial. For Jesus' body was destined for the common criminal's grave to be taken down with the other robbers on either side of him and buried in that common plot. But God intervenes and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus come to retrieve the body of Jesus and like Samson, give it an honorable burial. We have watched the bodies of soldiers coming back from the battlefield at Breeze Norton, Breeze Norton in Oxfordshire, and in our minds, we have thought of the contrast between the gore of the battlefield and the dignity of their burial. And Samson, who died sacrificially in the rubble that day in Gaza, 
was given a dignified burial as Jesus was. Because of his sacrificial death, mockery. Are you being ridiculed because you're a Christian? Do your classmates mock you for going to church, for following Jesus? Jesus took up his cross for us, and we take up our cross for him. The cry, Samson ended well. What a wonderful thing it would be for you and I to end well. To end praying to God as he did. To end trusting in God as he did. To end looking to the mercy of God, remember me, as he did. The cruciform. The church has thought and read and contemplated the form of Jesus' death. The arms extended wide. Not repelling us. Not ignoring us. But welcoming us. And today we come in our unworthiness and sinfulness to this Savior whose arms are extended wide. And we trust in his love, depend alone upon his mercy. This conquest, Jesus battled on our behalf. He fought with Satan and with death and with sin, and he overcame. In the process, his body was broken. In the process, his blood was shed, but he has overcome. And we today remember his triumph and his victory, and we share in it with one another and with our risen, exalted Savior. The conclusion of his sacrificial death, we remember Christ today until he come. He was buried, but he rose again and is ascended at God's right hand. And we remember his death and his burial and his resurrection until he comes again. And when he comes again, he will resurrect our bodies, unite them to our spirits, so that body and soul forever, because of his sacrificial death, we will glorify and fellowship with him in the presence of God. Samson, a type of Jesus in his sacrificial death.